Will we ever be able to go back to the way things were? Now that we've come this far, done so much, would we? Could we? There have been days where I... where I can hardly remember your face, your voice. There's little left now, but I'm still clinging onto hope. The unit is rather plain. Simple amenities with little to no personal effects. Nothing of interest as of yet. Other than what could be in the master, I've got to agree. Quite the oddity. You figure out how we're going to deal with that room? Not yet. Shall we? Of course. After you. Nodding, I slowly pull on the handle to the study. Without issue, the door swings inwards revealing a dimly lit interior. Huh. Wasn't sure what I was expecting, to be honest. Rather than a cluttered mess brimming with notes and strange mechanical oddities, or a miniature science lab strewn with schematics and specialized tools, the study is quite spartan. A single desk and chair sits centered within the room, and off to the right side, a small cot rests covered in thick blankets. Other than that, the room is bare. Abnormal. That's a certainty. A desk with nothing on it. A chair and a bed with... a lot of blankets. Huh. It appears that Miss Tran slept inside her study quite often. Yeah. It would seem that way. Scanning the walls of the study... It's strange. You'd think, being the study, that there would be bookshelves or paintings. Tools or screens. Anything that would connote an engineer's personal study. But no. Just four smooth wooden walls. There has to be something here, Sam. Any luck with that desk? Oh. The desk seems to have quite an intricate locking mechanism. We would need Miss Tran's key fob and permissions to gain access to the primary lock. I'm guessing we can't just pry it open? Oh, we could. But there's a high probability of some form of alarm or defense mechanism triggering, all things considered. Lone desk with a heightened security locking mechanism in a small room with smooth walls. Yeah, I don't want to risk it. Right, Oh. Well. Try and get in contact with this station. See if we could get one of our techies sent down. Pulling out my data pad, I enter my security codes into the device, watching the storm outside as I wait for the connection to establish. Yeesh. Made it just in time. Coming down hard. This is Conservator Valentin Rainier, on site at the Tran Residence, requesting tech specialist. 
On your current location, we are attempting to try. Uh, repeat last, you're breaking up. Minutes, we are. Oh, the hell? Staring at the data pad in my hands, I watch as the connection jumps sporadically before dropping out completely. Odd. Staring out the window, I watch as bolts of lightning streak across the sky, glinting off the large panes of glass. Huh. Maybe. No. A storm shouldn't be affecting comms like this. Before I can try to re-establish the connection, the datapad lights up before a voice rings out in my ear. Apologies, Conservator. Comms have been bored since the storm hit. Yeah. Everything sorted now? Yes. We've corrected the problem. Now, you were requesting a tech specialist, correct? Current location is one Min Tran's residence, correct? Please confirm. Is the director in? I wish to reconfirm the situation. The director is busy at the moment. Rest assured that... Running out of the room, I head to the elevators where the peacekeepers are maintaining their post. Sam, find us a way into that desk. On it. We need to lock this floor down. Make sure the others in the lobby know. I'll be locking the Tran residents from the inside. The peacekeepers nod wordlessly. Likely the only reaffirmation I'll receive as I turn and rush back into the room. REM Corporation Encryption Lock. It's no, no, no joke. It's messing with my head. That bad? It's bad. Didn't say it was impossible. Wasn't able to avoid the security sensor, though. REM Corporation likely received an alert. No time for subtlety. At the sound of several locks disengaging at once, I glance over my shoulder. With a hiss, the walls sink in an inch before sliding to reveal several monitors and glass cabinets, each housing what seems to be an assortment of strange, half-complete prosthetics. The top of the desk itself then splits in two, rising up and sinking back into the body before a large desktop-sized datapad emerges and powers on. This is more like it. Uh, good work, Sam. Thanks. Always happy to help. Alright, we, we need to know what Miss Tran was working on. You think you can pull whatever data is stored here? Yeah, depending on how much is on this drive. Great. Stick with most recent information, past month if possible. Walking around the room once more as Sam extracts the information, I take a closer look at the many prosthetics lining the walls. Dozens of metal arms and legs in varying states of completion fill the glass displays along the walls. There are cybernetic modules and development versions, each marked and tagged with notes. All cutting-edge and proprietary REM Corporation tech. What the... What's going on, Sam? I accessed the files. There was an indication of an isolated cryo-storage unit. It was apparently part of Miss Tran's most recent project. Looking upwards, I follow Sam's eyeline to see the ceiling shift apart, to reveal a frosted metal disc, slowly irising open right above my head. What is that? We'll find out shortly. You might want to step to the side. 
Stepping behind the desk, the hole in the ceiling clicks into place before a cylinder gently begins to lower from the ceiling. A large metal canister of sorts comes to rest in the middle of the room, suspended inches above the surface of the desk. Attached to it are several ice-covered wires and tubes, along with a flashing keypad. Anything in those files indicate what this thing is? Only the access code. Slowly, Sam inputs the code into the icy keypad before a loud hissing sound emanates from the tubing. Cracking sounds from the tubes as chunks of ice break off and fall onto the desk and floor. Is that... There, within the now open cylinder, sits a crude, partially constructed metal head. Rubber hoses and circuits curl out exposed from all facets of the skull as lights begin to flicker and glow from within. Then, the muscles on its face start to click and twitch. What's it? Inching closer, the lights suddenly stabilize before slowly pulsating rhythmically to some unknown sound. The twitching slows, but continues as its mouth opens and closes wordlessly. I... I think... is trying to talk doesn't look like Tran got far enough in his development. You think that maybe, uh... Turning, I see Sam with a blank, slack-jawed look on his face, staring, unmoving at the bundle of wires and metal, his eyes rapidly shifting from side to side. Sam? Oh, what now? The metal skull violently convulses and shakes, Sparks begin to fly between the circuitry and off of the countless shifting muscles. The lights flash in rapid succession before suddenly bursting, leaving the machine smoking and motionless in its housing. Where once was a patchworked head, now rests a true scrap heap of burnt wires and metal. Oh, Jesus. Uh, we need to get to the station. Oh, Sam. Thank God you're alright. Tran was working with a dissident cell, sneaking them schematics and leftover materials. But after this last project, she started having second thoughts. No kidding. Huh, let's get... Great. Hi, this is Nick Koyama, creator of Turbulence. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ashes Arc, Smoke and Mirrors. Trying to create and layer the various sounds together to form the study was much more work than I initially thought, but it was definitely a learning experience, that's for sure, one that I am looking forward to carrying forward into the future. Sam and Val finally seem to have figured out what's going on after Sam conversed with the makeshift skull. But will they be able to make it back to the station in order to report their findings? Will they even be able to make it out of the condo? Find out in the next and final episode of The Ashes Arc, Worth. As always, thank you all for listening, and see you next time. <laughs>